<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, uh, great to see you, Ryan Leaf. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, you were 28 and you started taking Vicodin heavily, but I'm curious, like, what before that led up to you being willing to say, yeah, sure, I'll, 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 I'll take these pills and numb my life, I think is how you would put it. Right. Well, I, well in college, um, I had uh, my first orthopedic surgeries, and it was the medication that was prescribed to me after the invasive surgeries. And, I was told to take it for the acute pain that that comes, and and but then when the prescription was done, you know, I I, I rehabbed it and went back and played, and and that wasn't a, an issue. Uh, I always knew it worked; it, it did its job. It was a painkiller. So when the opportunity presented itself after my failed NFL career, uh, and I was offered it one night, um, I took it, and it worked the same for the the mental anguish I was in, the, the mental health issues I was dealing with. I just started to self-medicate. Were you taking it deliberately to self-medicate, or, or was it like, a, oh, this works for this too? Uh, I knew, I remember how, I, I mean, I liked it. I liked how it made me feel when I was in pain, and it took away that pain. Um, this just so happened in that moment where I was given it, mixed with the alcohol I was drinking that night. Yeah. Uh, I was... Uh, going to have to go into a parties where there were Super Bowl champions and Hall of Famers where I always felt less than and judged. Yeah. And I took it and it did its job. It killed that, that pain. And I walked in and out of those rooms feeling uh, none of those things. I didn't feel better. I just, I didn't feel anything. Right. Which is what I was seeking. So would you say that you lived your life like I'm, at least at that point, or one up you, I'm better than you, or I'm below you? Ne like never mutual, right? Yeah, it was never a mutual thing. I think it was the, the best... Uh, identifier I ever had, anybody's ever kind of told me I was, I was, a, uh, I was an egomaniac with a self-esteem problem, <laughs> right. I think is the best way to put yeah. it. You know, I thought I was better than you, and then uh, when I was in a room of individuals maybe that I, I, I thought were better than me because they were, they were Super Bowl champs or Hall of Famers, which that doesn't mean anything. Right. You know, it's, it, we put a lot of merit into that. But in life, it, it, that's not meaningful. Yet I believed it was the epitome of success. Right. So do you, like, look back now, my one regret with my career, do you have that at all? Do you wish, like, if I, if I, had, told, if I had had my mind straight back then, like, I could have been X, Y, Z? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I wish I would have treated people better. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, 
Also, it's a kind of a slippery slope there. If I don't go through what I went through, I'm not the person I am right now. Right. And uh, and and that's more important than having won a couple Super Bowls or or been an All Pro or all those things. So you can be both, right? You could be a great athlete and be a good person. It just so happens a lot of times that um, just because you're a great athlete doesn't make you a good person. Well, and so guys in your position who are super talented as a young guy, and everybody wants to be attached to you, right? And they want to be your friend, and there's just no reality check ever until, I guess, it all comes crashing down one day. Yeah, I mean, I pushed the people out of my life who tried to hold me accountable, and, and I surrounded myself with enablers. Uh, they saw me as the golden ticket or golden goose, and they, you know, they thrived on that until you know, I was at a place where I couldn't, I guess, do anything for them, and they were nowhere to be found. But the true people who love me unconditionally, they've been there from day one, and it's, and you look back on it, and it, it was my parents and my family and, and a few others. So I've watched videos with your parents and, and your mom. I mean, it, 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 it actually just it brought me to tears watching it. Like, she has so much care for you, but had to, like, when you went to prison, she, I guess she said, good, because she, she knew that there was nothing that she could do and that she needed help. I mean, what do you remember about that time frame? Yeah, I mean, there was even a time where I was at, I found a way to bond out, and, um, their worry was so much for me and for them. Uh, the strength it took them both to confront me and say, will you, will you please turn yourself back in? So they essentially asked me to go back to jail. I don't, and I can't tell you why I did it, why I acquiesced to their request at the time. I don't, I don't know, but I'm grateful that I did. And you would... Uh you would be going, you would, you would know houses around your territory where like these, these people probably have Viking in here? No, I just, I just. Oh, just, oh, just random. Just, just houses. I mean, nine times out of 10, a home would have pills. You know, you go to a, a dentist, you have a procedure, people take a couple of those pills and they put the medicine in the cabinet and don't even think about it again. Oh. Where my mindset is, and especially a lot of times, is that I'd find those pills and I'd look at it and I'd go, They've had these for six months and they've only taken two pills. What's wrong with these people? You know, wow. because their mind isn't yeah. like mine. Yeah. Um, and you would be surprised if you are not getting rid of expired medication or medication that you don't need anymore. They just it sits there. Yeah. And it was a breeding ground for me uh, to feed my habit. So would you assess the house like, okay, the lights are off, I can go? No, I just would go knock on the door. You'd knock on the door yeah. and say, "Can I see your?" No, I'd knock on the door, and if no one was home. This was Montana. Okay. No one locks their doors. Oh my God! You know, I never actually broke into a home. Right. I I knocked on the door, and if no one answered, I'd open it and and, and say, "Anybody home? I'm looking for so and so." Or and if no one answered, I would just let myself in. And it was, I'm a pretty lucky individual. This was the state of Montana. Everybody has a gun. Uh, there's a there's a reason why I'm still here. Yeah. So. Did you always feel, I, I, I guess that sort of like makes me think, invincible, right? I'm the super talented guy and nothing's going to happen. Not when, not when you're talking about addiction, right? Addiction, there isn't a consequence that's w bad enough to stop you from using even death. It just doesn't. Uh, the argument over time, over the last few years, about paramedics carrying Narcan and people fighting it from the other side saying that all you're doing is incentivizing junkies to... Uh, continue using an overdose because they know they're going to be saved. And that's nonsense because 
we don't care. In fact, we're just looking to be numb. In fact, death is probably something more welcome than the feelings we have when we're not on this medication. So there isn't a consequence high enough to stop us seeking and, and getting uh, that, that satisfaction of that, that drug of choice. So that takes me to uh, you, you try to kill yourself, you use a dull knife. Like, what do you remember about that time frame? Like, just, there's no going forward. Um, you still have them, you still have a little. Yeah, from there to there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a reminder. It just was, you think in black and white terms. Okay, so it's either high, numb, or dead. And when I couldn't be high or numb, then my only answer to that was, I can't feel this. I can't, I can't feel these feelings, and I hadn't felt them for probably, you know, six or seven years, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember how bad it made me feel, so I was, I, I needed out of that. And the only way for me to do that was either to be high or dead, and, and, and when that wouldn't work, I chose to see if I could find pills another way again, and that got me arrested for the final time. So, the, if you were to describe the feeling, would you just say just just utter despair or like just the whole world's better than me or how, how would you put it? Uh, it? I don't know how you put it, it just, you were, you have such a narrow focus. Your perspective is so limited to this feeling you have in this moment and this person you are. And um, it, it seems like the end of the world and, and you don't see anything else going on around there. You don't see the plight of anybody else's. You don't uh, see the hardships for anything else. You just see yours, and you think it's, it, it's, the, it's the worst thing that it could possibly be there because you only know one answer, and you have to seek that. And if you can't find it, the only other answer you have is, 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 is to be dead. And that's, that's why we see so many uh, suicides wrapped around this or even uh, what they call accidental overdoses, though there are overdoses in a way where they're, they're trying to not feel anything. And that's, that's why it's so rampant. Who deserves, like, uh, outside obviously yourself, and you know, you gotta, you gotta buy into number one here, but who maybe deserves the most credit to help lift you up? I, I know you had a, a, a cellmate in prison that, that meant a lot, I think meant a lot to you, if, if my understanding, I don't, I don't know who else jumps to mind. Well, you know, my parents, uh, they, never, they never stopped caring. They've always there to support me no matter what. You know, my father didn't need a famous football playing son. You know, he just wanted, they both just wanted me to be at peace and have a uh, happy life. Uh, but my brothers as well. Uh, but yes, um, my roommate in prison was, was very impactful in that. He, turns out, was this guardian angel of sorts to help give me a different mindset of what was important and how, how to achieve that. And you were laying in bed kind of feeling your, sorry for yourself and watching Ellen, is that right? Well, I, I've, I've, it was usually on a daily basis where I was feeling sorry for myself or feeling like a victim of sorts. And he finally, I guess, felt comfortable enough um, where he confronted me one day and, and just said I didn't understand the, the value I had for the men in there when I got out and to get my, essentially get my head out of the sand. And he suggested we go down to the prison library and help prisoners um, who didn't know how to read learn how to read. And... You know, it ended up being something that that gave me a different, gave me a shift, right? It, uh, I was essentially uh, of service to another human being for the first time in my life. And, but I had to continue to do it. You just couldn't go do it one time and you're just fixed. Right. Um, it was, it's consistency and it's showing up. It's like going to the gym. You know, you don't go to the gym and the next day you wake up and look in the mirror and you look like the rock. 
right? You have to you have to show up and do it. And and I knew that when I got out, it was going to have to be the foundation of who I was. Otherwise, nothing would change. So did, did you even know how to teach someone? Like if someone said, "Hey, go teach these guys English," I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, how'd you even do that? It's interesting that it comes. To, I mean, you take it for granted, right? You think that, but you would sit down and go through the phonics of the book. And if you if you knew how to read, it's you can really help somebody move forward. Um, you know, we had a we had a supervisor and a teacher in there that helped along with that, but. You forget how you got taught how to read. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've I didn't either. It. And right. all of a sudden, I got the book in front of me, and I've, I'm like, this, this makes sense. The biggest thing is not having learned how to read. You've learned all these skills over time, how to fool people and how to decipher things and get through life. That a lot of times they may, they may know what the word means, but they don't know how to. They don't know how to. They can't sound it out or say it. Yeah. And they've, but they know what it is. So it's it was. It was an interesting um, education for me as well. The biggest education, though, was that we were in a place where you cannot show vulnerability, and yet they were vulnerable enough to go, 50-year-old men saying, hey, I, I don't know how to read. Can you help me? I mean, that's, that was the biggest thing I learned from it. So when you say you can't show vulnerability, you're worried that you're going to get hurt if you do? I you don't. Prison isn't a place where people show, are vulnerable, ever. You show any kind of vulnerability you were taken advantage of or bad things happen, you know? So it... That for me was was an astonishing factor, and really showed when I got out that, especially not in a prison setting, but in a regular human existence setting, being vulnerable may be the strongest thing you could ever do. There's no doubt. How did you you, you obviously gained their trust then for them to do it? I mean, how did you go about that? I have no idea. I think they had they were resolute with where they were at, and I also know that they had been down there going through this process. So it's not like I showed up on their day one. You know, they may have been on day 100, who knows, and they may have it took them 90 days to get past that place, but they were in a place now that they were okay with, with showing that vulnerability because they were, they were receiving a great value out of it because now they were starting to do something that was different. One guy even told me that his kid came to visit and he sat and read to his kid. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's, there's value in that um, for that, that, that man um, because there's not much that in that setting where you feel like you can give your family at all. You're taking from them so much um, to be able to give them something like that. I mean, I can't imagine what that, how that made that, that man fail. Well, it's got to make you feel incredible. Like, I helped this dude. Or, and you might not, you know, I, I know maybe you don't want to take all the credit for it, but like, I don't know what make, could make you feel better than that in life, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, the only reason I know that is because he told me. You know, so I think the best part of all this is, is that um, I show up, I do my part. That's all I can control. I don't know what anybody's going to do with the message. I don't know what anybody's going to do with what I teach them. Um, but I'm actually doing something different. I, would, I was regularly just laying on my butt watching TV, not doing anything with my life uh, in that prison cell. So this was a 180-degree lifestyle change. Do you, like sitting here with me right now, or you're going to do more interviews and you have an event we're going to talk about coming up on Friday night, do you get, do you get tired of doing it? Do you like, oh, God, i got to talk about this again? Because it's, you know, at some point it's, it's super vulnerable to go there, right? And then, okay, now let's do it again. Well, it's, it's, it's emotionally draining, yeah. yeah. You know, I'll crash tonight. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have to go, uh, do the event tonight. Um, you know, I wanted to help make this the best possible event we can. I was scheduled to come in today and do all the media tomorrow and then speak. And I was just like, 
you know, life, life still goes on for me and I deal with things that are difficult at home. I have a one-year-old, uh, you know, a fiance, all these things. And I just, you know, I, I reached out and asked, hey, if, what I, if I came a day early, could we space it out a little bit more? And, and they were super grateful for that. Um, and I was grateful. So I, I think it, it benefited both parties. And, and, you know, I'll get a chance to kind of decompress a little bit tonight, you know, you know watch some, uh, um, you know, TV and kind of relax a little bit and then, you know, get back at it tomorrow. You know, I got, I got, a, I have a radio show that I do every morning for Sirius XM on the Pac-12 network and then we'll hop into this again and then I'm really looking forward to the event tomorrow night. So what's it like being a dad? Uh, it's, uh, it's great. You know, it's, it's the best thing that I'll ever do, uh, no matter what. And, um, you know, I'm going to be a good dad because of, of the life experience I have. You know, and when he's old enough to know the story, I'm going to give it to him and show him that it's okay. And I think that's I think that's a big difference um, from maybe how our generation was raised. You know, it was kind of stiff upper lip. You know, deal with it. Uh, don't show weakness. And uh, the funny thing about that is, is it isn't weakness. It's just actually vulnerability and and being a human being. It's really actually like the way, I, the way I see it, it's like the new version of actually being a man. Like before it was stupid, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to barrel through, I'm going to provide for my family, and I'm never going to tell you a thought in my head. Now... You hope that's changing. Right, you, right. right. I, I, I still think that, I mean, I mean, it, it's not, it's, the stigma still exists greatly because... Uh, 100%. Even, you know, we watch, we watch our political system, you know, and that in particular is... is there's no accountability or, or shown of what we consider weakness at all. You cannot show vulnerability or show that you are, are weak, and that, that stems to the, the, the population. And there were stigmas that existed in the 60s that we still struggle with now, and I may not be around to see the end of the stigma, but that doesn't mean we toss in the white flag at night, right? We, we climb as far as we can up the mountain that day, you know, put it, you know, go to bed and, and trudge up it again tomorrow. You don't, you don't quit. You just, you control what you can control. Yeah. I, one more on your, your son. And I was thinking about your mom saying, and she got super emotional saying like, you know, I know that Ryan's going to be a great dad someday. So, uh, I just, you're living into that. I think it's just cool. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he's, he's every parent feels this way, right? I mean, they just, they see their, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They just, um, there are times though, I feel like I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a good enough parent. I feel like, why don't I, why don't, I should love him a hundred times more than I do. Why do I feel like I don't, you know, it's just, I think that's just yeah. human nature. You, you, you see yourself as, as less than sometimes and you have to, you know, be okay with that. Right. Well, he's not going to be, he's going to do things that are going to annoy you. You're a human being. Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's not going to be the issue. I think for me, yeah. I think for me, it's like, Am I away from him too too much? Oh, I see. You know, am I, um, you know, am I not spending enough time with him? Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's just being a parent, I think. You know, first-time parent especially, and just developing the balancing act. Because everything I do now, like I, I go and do this stuff, and I, I'm gone, and it's, it's all because of him. This has nothing to do with me anymore, right? Everything has to do with, with the, the client and the people we're talking to and the people we're trying to help. But also, it's about... You know, you know, making a living where, where he doesn't have to ever want for anything. I hope in my life. Yeah. Well, and he'll be he'll be striving to someday, right? He'll want to do his own thing. I, I, I uh, that 
do you get do you feel like after you have a talk and I, you were saying after you know that you, you know you want to relax and then go into it but do you feel nourished after after when people coming up to you do you feel like does it give you strength and I mean I think so it's just I also feel uncomfortable because I'm I, I feel like um, any of those people that come up and talk to me could go up and give the speech and I would be just as impacted by them because uh, I really have developed this belief that we are all Every single one of us are flawed human beings trying to be better, regardless of what I did or how unique people think my story is. It's not any more important or less important than anybody else's. It just happened to play out in front of so many people. And I think that gives it the uniqueness to allows me to step up and have a platform that those people who maybe not before would have come up and said anything now feel comfortable coming up and saying something. So, yes, it, there's validation in that, but it's also um, I have to be very aware of how that affects my ego and, my, and me too. Well, I mean, I just think everybody, first of all, you're uh, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. There's not a lot of guys to, who can have that and have your journey that people know. I also think, like, a lot of people, that their memory of you uh, outside of the football field is in the locker room after the loss to Kansas City and you're screaming at this reporter, and then now you're this guy. It's a huge transformation, and, and people, uh, they want to attach that in some way. I yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that... Uh you know, I date myself when I say this, you know, the internet had just started yeah. and there was nothing, nothing, uh, they weren't viral videos and this was one of the first, right? And there, yeah. this was a caricature of me and when I was brought up in any way, shape or form, this was kind of played. So a lot of people, their only vision of me is that and then maybe in shackles and in stripes in front of a judge. Right. So I, I understand that completely and it also makes probably people very skeptical of like, hey, you know, and I can't control that. Yeah. Um, uh, I can just do what I continue to do, but I understand. I understand that part because there is a. This is a. I, I said it before. This is a 180 degree lifestyle change. This is. A, yeah. I'm a different person uh, because of what I went through and because of. Um, I never felt like I. I never thought I'd be able to like stand in front of a group full of people or, or talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm grateful for having spent 32 months in prison. Yeah. I don't recommend it either, <laughs> but you know, I'm great. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the kid in the video, I mean, I just see a guy who wanted the fame and the money and all that came with it, but you just didn't, at that point in time, you didn't want the responsibility. And I see somebody right now who's, I mean, like, you're leaping in all this responsibility. Yeah, I didn't want the responsibility of having to deal with anybody else. I just wanted to play football, you know, right. and, and I wanted the cool stuff that came with it. Right. And I didn't want the, the responsibility part of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, I, I could have done without the media, but I still wanted the attention, but just not, a, you know, I don't need the criticism, just I need the praise and leave me alone, all right? Right. Um, and so that, that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I built my life that way, you know. It's, and, and I hadn't failed. So, you know, people could have been critical, but I was winning, and, and that was good enough for me. I mean, you were in the spotlight, but I think, like, most people can relate to that. I want to be the most successful lawyer or an athlete or whatever, but you don't want to do the daily yeah. work to get there. You, you know? I didn't mind the work. The work. I didn't mind what the things that came with it, right? Like, yeah, yeah I, didn't mind, I didn't mind going to the office. I didn't mind lifting the weights, I didn't mind watching the film, I didn't mind doing all the work. Um, I, I minded the, uh, the cri critique and the criticism and um, what other people thought of me was a, a lot of my business. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the hat here, Focused in Intensity Foundation. I have it written down, I should have, have it memorized. But uh, so this is obviously super, super important to you. It, it is. It's cool. It's a cool ass hat too. I like. It is a good hat. Yeah. It's a sweet um, hat. Friend of mine helped with the logo, so I kind of liked it. Um, you, you know, it was it was something started before I got in trouble. Actually, 
And when I went to prison, my dad kept it going because he knew that someday his son would be healthy enough to do the right thing. And he was the biggest donor for so long just to keep it open with the IRS and with the lawyer's fees and everything for those, you know, three and a half, four years I was locked away. Um, And when I got out, the only way I was able to seek help and get treatment was because uh, of the grants that were uh, available to me from the NFL. And otherwise I wouldn't be able to seek treatment. So I, I don't want anybody ever who wants to change their life and get help not be able to get it because they can't afford it. And that's exactly what Above and Beyond does. Well, what's the type of response you get from NFL guys? Because, I mean, I do, I do radio shows with guys, and they're dug into the old mindset. And then there's others that are sort of in the middle. And, you know, how do, they, how do, you, how do you feel received? Well, I think, I think the enlightened ones I have good relationships with. I think yeah. the ones you talk about are still stuck in, um, in the identity of, of me being a strong football player is, you know, we don't have a relationship, right. you know, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, my job isn't to or my hope isn't to be accepted by everybody. My hope is just to, to do the next right thing and hopefully, um, you know, ultimately we all get to the same place where we're stuck in the identity of this football player, and that's long past us. And we have to transition into human life. And that's a very difficult transition. The NFL is doing better things. They developed a, a program called the Legends Community, which I think has been super helpful. That didn't exist when I came out of the league. Um, I, I started, uh, I work in a program with Jay Glazer and Nate Boyer called MVP, Merging Vets and Players, where we take former combat vets and former professional athletes and bring them together. We just opened the one here in Chicago. Matt Forte came on Tuesday night to be a big part of that. Uh, Kyle Long is a uh, current player that's been helping with it, but Jay has just uh, been a huge influence for me. It's allowed me to get into the the broadcasting side of things too. He's just been a huge support uh, for one another, I think. So we just look at different ways we can be of service. And that and that's the foundation of what we do. Yeah, let, let's uh, let's wrap up with this one. We got uh, above and beyond the Family Recovery Center, which is why you're in Chicago. Free treatment uh, for uh, behavioral health and life skills counseling center. What? Why did this? Uh, why did you want to support it? Well, anything that anything that uh, does something similar to what what I do, if our values and, and if our values match up, I want to be a support of because I think that that goes a long way in changing the stigma that this is a disease and there needs to be uh, a way to combat it. And when you have a facility that is a non-for-profit, one that isn't engaging in the business of, of taking money and insurance from, from vendors to, to not necessarily actually help people, but rather do it as a profitable business, but uh, I think that's huge. Uh, it matches up with my foundation uh, and if you can develop relationships. And like I said before, you don't wave the white flag uh, every single night if it doesn't pan out for you that day. And when there are events like this, this, this is a perfect example of a community and an organization that are trying to come together and trying to be a part of the solution. And that's what Above and Beyond is doing. And they're a family recovery center and people forget how the family is affected through the addiction, right? The family sometimes gets just as ill as the addict. And if they're not both doing the work, once the addict gets out of treatment, goes back to the place where there, nothing's changed, muscle memory takes over and are triggered the same way. So I think that's a, a, a really supportive and combative way to deal with the affliction. And, and, and anytime I can be uh, somebody to support that and, and contribute, then I'm going to do it. A lot of truths have to be being told in that scenario, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of opportunities to look in the mirror 
and, and that's really hard sometimes. And a lot of times the family doesn't want to see it because they don't want to see what their part was. A lot of it comes to co codependency and enablement. And, uh, and it's about setting healthy boundaries and things like that. I mean, this is, this is a cultural issue. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic place you're in your life. This affects every human being on the planet. And it may be the one thing that I think everybody truly can get behind. The only problem is, is that a lot of times people like, they say that that story's great, but that's not me. And usually when you come to something like this, you have to take an actual look at yourself. And that's really hard. Yeah, people don't want to do it. Uh, our last one here. So you're, when you go to speak tomorrow night or any night, what, what's like the one message that you, and for who's ever watching this? What's, what's the one message you really want to get out there? Um, the big message I always try to live by and I, and I talk about is, is that we're all flawed human beings trying to be better every day. And that, that kind of puts us on an even playing ground and allows us to look each other in the eye, have empathy, and, and support one another. And then the other thing is, is, is my three pillars of success. Uh, our accountability, spirituality, and community. And I think above and beyond it exemplifies all three of those things, you know. They hold one another accountable. They run a, a program that does that, you know. It's a, one of the spirituality. And then this is about community and coming together as a community here in Chicago and trying to help every single one of the, every single one of the other citizens you live with. Great to talk to you, Ryan Lee. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 